When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. See, right. it works every time. They smile a ghost story or two, and then they're right in the show. I just love into my car. Yeah. Watch <laughs> see you guys. No, no, go, no, That's go. It. Come on. Oh, great episode, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, this is another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Bryce Johnson. And our super producer. Riley Bray. Hello, boys. Hey. How's everybody's summer winding up? Fucking good. Yeah. Can't wait to get those kitties back in school. Oh, you're you're always the summer dad who can't wait to get rid of his kids. That's pretty much <laughs> it. The, the lazy out of work actor who doesn't. Oh, wow. What? What? Jeez. Lazy out of work. Out of work. It's true. It's true. Well, I mean, we don't know about this top Shh. secret project you're working on. So as far as we know, you're out of work right hey, now. Hey, I'm working, man. That's right. I'm just I'm a kid, of course. Of course, of course. Listen, no one's more out of work actor than I am. Hey, right I'm out now. of work too. I get it. Um, so, boys, yes. uh, we have an amazing guest with us today. He is a uh, uh, t- talented, terrific actor, stage and screen. Uh, you can see him in TV shows like Children's Hospital, Fosse, the new season of Mindhunter, and the upcoming series For All Mankind. Please welcome to the clubhouse, Mr. Nate Cordry. Hey, guys. I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, Oh, dude, nice. Thanks for the invite. Hey, thanks for coming. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about paranormal situations. (laughs) And from the introductory email that I got, Weird uh, collecting fetishes. You know oh, what? Yeah. That's great. Ooh, you collect yeah. something? Oh yeah. Ooh, really? We, we yeah. haven't we haven't it's been talking about collecting stuff for a while, so oh. we definitely want to do that. This podcast, yeah. This podcast started the Bigfoot Collectors Club. We were like, okay, so we'll do a paranormal story, and then we'll focus in on like a new collectors, something that we collect, and we'll bring in a new item every week. And then we were like, okay, we're running out of items, and it just sort of kind of <laughs> fell well, off a little bit. It was too. less that more just like we just really clearly love talking about. Toys, collectibles, and UFOs. Yeah, no, ghosts, Bigfoot, and UFOs, <laughs> and toys. Yes, that too. But the, the 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 paranormal part of the show really took hold. But uh, I think this is a great place to start. Uh, what were you into? Uh, when well, when I when I was young, I was into baseball cards. Of course, oh, me too. As a you know, twelve year old boy, because you're a big baseball fan. I'm a big sports guy, but okay. a big baseball guy, and. But you know you outgrow that, and uh, and then when you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, you don't have any money to collect anything because uh, you're in school and you don't have any money. So eventually, when I moved out here and I was working, I was saving some money, and you just start, you know, you're drinking too much, and 
you go on eBay past midnight. Ah, uh, yes. And it's something that we all are guilty of, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Amazon as well. Sure, sure. Uh, but eBay, you can really find, and, and Etsy, some really bizarre, weird, vintage like vintage lamps. Yeah. Right. Like just shit that I that doesn't belong in my house that I don't want. But are we talking three... like like not Tiffany lamps? No, no. So like last last Halloween, I really I'm I'm I love Halloween, really into Halloween, into Halloween decorations. And there are these amazing vintage Halloween decorations from like the 70s that I remember having as a kid in my own house. And it's like, you know, $100 for this plastic fucking cat lamp. I love that old kissy shit. This is coming to my house immediately. Buy it now. (laughs) I buy. I accept it. PayPal. It comes three days later. And then I just, but I'd start coming home and there'd be packages and I wouldn't remember. I've done this. Where these packages (laughs) are coming from. I did that. I'm going to be honest. Not too long ago. I was like, what's this? And I open it up. And there was like a Star Wars action figure vehicle set that I bought. Fortunately, for only twenty five dollars. But yeah, I was that's like, not bad, <sighs> Michael. Yeah, lucky man. <laughs> I became obsessed with that sh- uh, recently, with going back um, and looking at old episodes of Mask. Oh yeah, oh, this is this is a Mask. Dude, those uh, age toys were the shit. Absolutely, the, the best. fucking best. I yeah. had the slingshot. Do yeah. you remember the slingshot? The the white van that popped yes, open, yes, yes, and then yes. the the red plane was in it. I had the motorcycle, piranha. Yeah, oh, that was nice one. Awesome. Nice With, one. Uh, Condor, Condor yeah. was uh-huh. it? Condor on the green motorcycle yep. that turned into a helicopter. Yes, it was a helicopter. That that dude with the yellow jumpsuit. Yeah, dude, those oh. masks were amazing. They were so cool. That show, was, and then the cartoon to, to to accompany it was even better. Was great. I mean, I was I was ten, so it might have been terrible, but yeah, toys today suck, man. I mean, is like, that true? so I'm in the yeah, it is true. First of all, there is no toy. Toys R Us anymore, and then I, you know, every every week or two weeks, I'm in the Target toy section because right. I have kids, and I'm like, this shit sucks. There's nothing here, you know. What is the difference between now and then? Well, you know, okay, so back then you had like cartoons that would accompany the toys, and it was like a, it was like a whole world they created, and right, and you know, like GI Joes, Transformers, He Man's. There was like, and they would endlessly He-Mans. bring out new ones, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh. He Man, fucking He Man's. <laughs> today, all there is is like you know. These kids, you know, since iPads have taken over all of kids' attention, all they want to do is, you know, buy new games or buy new Sounds apps like or whatever. Sounds like a parenting problem to me. No, no, Seems no. Seems like something oh, uh, lazy out of work actor uh, might give his kids to. But no, but now that now there's like all these like surprise pack. People love the like little like you open yes. them up and they don't know what it is. Yes. Gifting, unboxing, yes. all that shit. Now it's like, I get it. It's fun, but it's like, it My doesn't have the same appeal. You right. Know? My girlfriend's niece, who's uh, seven, yeah. is fucking obsessed with these surprise. Boxes, yeah, right. But I get it. Yeah. Because this feeds into my other new obsession. Oh, God, I, feel, I have shame. You're in a safe place. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I've done worse. Whatever it is, I've, I've collected worse. <laughs> okay. Uh, during the ho- I'm a big hockey fan. During the hockey playoffs, again, I was going late at night. The girlfriend's asleep. My phone is on, and I'm going through eBay looking for weird Boston Bruins, like vintage hockey shit. Yeah. And then I found a lot of cards, like new cards, hockey cards from today. And the card business these days is very different from what it was when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. They have these cards that are 
numbered like to 10 or to 25 or to 99. So the rarity of these cards increases the value. A lot of them have autographs on them and a lot of them have pieces of game-worn jerseys and shoes and bats and balls. Yes. So you get this little card, the same similar size, it's thicker because it needs to hold a jersey or a fucking piece of a shoe. Yeah. And I, my brain sort of exploded. (laughs) And because I like, to gamble i like action and i like the element of surprise mm-hmm. and it's not football season so i'm not doing any gambling i started buying high-end boxes of <laughs> collectible cards wow and boxes that blind have like, item you don't know what you're getting you have no idea and there's only like seven cards in this box and the box is like two hundred dollars wow and two of those cards are just nothing, base cards. There's thousands of them. Right. But you're rolling the dice and hoping to find that one, you know, Tom Brady. What is it? One of two jersey auto patch card that is worth, you know, $4,000. Wow. And people pay this money for these fucking cards. So the last three or four months, I've been spending way too much money. On boxes of cards that get shipped to my house. My girlfriend and I thank God bless her fucking patience and love and support of me. She's also a big sports fan, which is a great bonus. We like have these unboxing things where we like get boxes, make drinks, and slowly open these packs and like reveal them like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> Holy shit, we got a Cody Bellinger to 25 signed auto card. <laughs> and uh, and then I started going down this YouTube rabbit hole of watching those unboxing right, videos right. where these nerds, you know, just lose their fucking minds when they get, you know, like a Wayne Gretzky card. It's so sad, but I am part of that community See, now. See, so. take everything you just said. Go ahead. Including the ideal girlfriend who's into this and yes. scotch. Copy that. And then just replace the sports memorabilia with Disney Lego minifigures, and then that's that's <laughs> yeah, you, you that's me. That's the difference that's between the, you and I, That's Michael. where, I mean, you get a pass because at least it's like, God, sports! Oh. Sports is like a guy thing. Like, everything I'm into is very, very nerdy. Right. Very nerdy. It's all comics, toys, collectibles, stuff. Now, I'm way better than I used to be. I went through a real run, like, mm, eight years ago nine years ago post breakup hit a real depression streak and i was just like i'm gonna buy all the stuff that makes me happy yes do and it. then that's, do that i was like so good as an adult of being like well that millennium falcon is very cool but it costs a hundred dollars and i'm not gonna waste my money on right. that to like order order yes. order yes. oblivion yep. oblivion oblivion where all are all of these things now uh well i've sold a lot of stuff because i was like this has to get out of my apartment on ebay and yeah. uh, i've there's like stores there's like one store that i go to that's down in fountain valley where i'll go just ahead. roll right in i'll say sterling what do you want he buys it all for me i walk out with cash and i'm like you know what kind of broke even that's cool i'm fine with that great or some of the stuff i bought eight nine years ago i don't really care um, you display it nicely, though, in your apartment. Well, so You've got a here's nice the thing. display. Nice. I do in Talk my home it. office. That's where most of that stuff goes. And by most of it, I mean I have a sliding closet <laughs> that I open up, and there it is organized by Star Wars film era, like all my yes. collectibles uh, on the shelf there, yes. along with like old paperbacks and stuff like that. 
It's pretty impressive, I have to say. The yeah, first time I had, like, I, I was dating it. a woman years ago, and this is, like, right around the time this started to be building, and she was checking out my apartment. She started to open the door, and I go, no! No, don't look in there! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she just pictured, like, she all my serial killer costumes. Bizarre S&M shit. Toilets. She was cool about Listen, it's not scared anyone off yet, but I definitely feel like I'm not bringing as many women in now, you know, just because I'm nervous about what they might discover in my office but no i've been getting into like and i don't care like the problem with me is like i like the vintage shit and i like the new stuff that looks like vintage shit totally i'm like anything that hits that nostalgia button is great with me here i have a similar story with (laughs) several years ago god was probably seven or eight years ago i had a girl i invited a girl over for the first time and i was taking her through the house and we got to the office and I have a, um, this is another eBay purchase. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you from, weren't kidding, huh? Yeah, yeah. hardcore. <laughs> hardcore. This is a, a different genre, but I bought, um, I bought Marlon Brando's phone. Oh, shit. <laughs> awesome. I, brought his, I bought his phone. Dude. And it was sold by the moving company who didn't get paid. Once he had died, they were emptying his house. Wow. The estate like didn't settle up. And so they had all this shit. A lot of it ended up at uh, like Sotheby's, like vases and clothes and all this shit. But the moving company kept his phone. What Dude. kind of phone was it? It's uh, like 1988 AT&T phone with a lot of names on it. That's and the names are still wild. there. So this Whoa. is like, they called him on that phone when he got like the freshman. Like, like what yes. movies was Completely. he accepting roles yes. on? I'm trying uh, to think, like, what maybe came... Maybe Don Juan. Yeah, Dr. Don Juan Moreau. came through yes. there. Yes, Dr. Moreau may Prop, have come maybe. through there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. freshman, for sure. Um, but his agent and his kids and Rita Moreno's phone number is on there. Oh, no my way. God. The number isn't just, like, a name. Yeah. Uh, Tom... F- uh, no, John Ford. Wow. Uh, his place in Palm Springs. It's, like, That's P.S. Cool. Palm Springs. That's really cool. That's the, a great the piece receiver, of memorabilia. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sort of obsessed with Brando. His re- the receiver was wrapped in bamboo. Because he <laughs> oh, wanted sure. a little, awesome. like, Tahiti feel. Right, like, Tiki right. Torch. Exactly. Right, well, not Tiki Torch, sorry. Exactly. Like, Tiki Village. Like, yes, very different let's, thing. Let's talk. Yeah. Uh, but she, uh, she was like, "What? what is that? And I was like, no big deal, but uh, <laughs> that's Marlon Brando's phone. It's Marlon Brando's phone. And she was like, why do you have that? And I was like, oh, this isn't going to... I guess this is the end of this one. Yeah, you're like, that doesn't impress so, you. Yeah. Not impressed. Have a good night. Take care. Never are, are you ever excited or thought about the fact that maybe Marlon Brando's ghost is going to call you on that phone? I would accept you that hope. call. And I would accept the charges if it was a collect call. Fuck Absolutely. Yeah. Here's a movie. Yeah. You start getting calls wow. for all of Marlon Brando's classic Michael. movies. And the calls come in, and you accept the roles, and then suddenly you're in the movie. Oh you're filming God. Marlon Brando's roles. This is and, a Sundance. And then hit. you Not have bad, to yeah. like start living Brando's life, and you're like, "Wait a minute, I have to get. I got to put on a lot of weight, but I'm going to win an Oscar. Oh, I'm going to go crazy. Oh, some real sketchy shit's going down with me and my co-star on the set of Last Tango in Paris. I'm oh, not okay with this. Yeah. Like, you know, you you're you, like it starts off really cool because you're getting like all this like. You know, you're doing like the wild ones, and like yeah. you're doing like yes, you know, uh, cat on a or not cat on a uh, uh, streetcar named desire. Yep. 
But then it just on starts. The waterfront then, yeah, on the waterfront, you're just like, yeah, oh my god! But then, but then, like, it starts taking Uh-oh. a very dark turn, yeah. and it ends with you like filming Doctor Moreau. <laughs> wow! Oh my god! Or falling asleep on set of uh, what? What's the of uh, the Apocalypse of, Now? No, not Apocalypse Now. What's the one that he did with De Niro and uh, Oh, the score? Yeah, the score. Oh yeah, yeah right. The one where he just like refused Naked to talk in the to bath Frank house. Oz. Yeah. Yikes. Amazing. That would be amazing. Listen, guys, copyright Bigfoot Collectors Club and Nate Cordry. That's ours. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's ours. <laughs> Hands off, Jerks. 2019. Yeah. That's, kind of a, that's a genius oh, idea. That's so great. You might have to send us a picture of that I will. phone and I'll, we could put it on our Instagram. My pleasure. I'll be that part of this episode's Instagram display. Yes. That's so great. Um, Nate, thank you so much for that uh, walk down Collector's Alley. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's time for your personal paranormal history. Cool. Nate, Nathaniel, Nathan, 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 Nathan Harris, Nathan Harris, Corey, yes, strong yeah, name, it's a wasp name. If I ever mm. fucking heard one, <laughs> what the is, oppressors? Oh yeah, what is your personal paranormal history? It's limited, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I've never had a paranormal experience myself no? that I was aware of. It may have happened, but because I. I'm a debunker myself. Oh, good. Great. I push back. Yeah, I love that. Now, are you Uh, a debunker or are you a skeptic? Because I feel like there's a difference. Back me up here if I'm right or wrong. No, definitely a difference. A skeptic is somebody not willing to look at... They they just armchair, you know, debunk it without actually looking into it. Uh, A debunker is someone who will maybe possibly look at both sides and then say, well, this can't be right because of this reason or something or another. I'm probably more right? of a skeptic. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay, all right. I, there is a great passage that I think about a lot in, um, in that Stephen King book, 112263. I love that mm-hmm. book. It's a great book. And he talks about the idea of the uh, Kennedy assassination conspiracy and how... I'm, I'm assuming you guys have talked about that on the show. Yes, uh, only loosely. Never is like a main topic. In fact, we mentioned it last week, so I that's did. really funny that you bring it up. Okay. Um, Stephen King goes into this idea, and it's sort of like the Arkham's Razor idea, and that the simplest expan- explanation is usually the the right one. Sure. What what caused so much uh, consternation and worry, and sort of existential dread about this idea of a president being murdered was too much for people to handle. The idea that a man so small, so insignificant, Mm -hmm. could make such an enormous impression on American life and life on planet Earth, really, was too much to handle. And so we must invent and create uh, a conspiracy to make it larger to fit the murder to fit his death Hmm. and i i for some reason i really buy into that um i am sure it was not just one guy it was not lee harvey oswald in the uh, book depository you know three shots and that was it i'm sure there was some sort of mini conspiracy but to think that the CIA organized the killing of American president uh, to me is 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 impossible. Too well, far out. Yeah, the, it's too far out. There's so many offshoots of that theory as well. I will point out <laughs> that from a writer's standpoint, the narrative hook of that book, although, really does depend on Oswald being the 
the soul shooter. Yes. Otherwise, the story of that book would never work. Yes. Because if he had to go back in time and prevent a conspiracy, yes, it's way too much work. That's a lot of pages. So he just had to stop one man. In, in yes. That. So yes. The, the the narrative hook depends on there King being was backing no, yeah, up. Yeah. He's like uh, he's like I'm gonna yeah yeah. That's but a good it, point. but but I I do think that his point is valid. I I tend to think that. Um, you know, there's just so much in a chaotic event like that. There's just poof, so much uh, uh, misinformation uh, yeah. that just starts spreading. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I mean, my, you know, the, all the rumors that, you know, you, people can't get even get straight amongst a circle of friends or like family or like, you know what I mean? Totally. Secrets and things that get, ex- you know, yeah. I, I'm not speaking necessarily from personal experience, so don't don't get weirded out. But I'm just saying... You know, uh, it's hard to keep a story straight, even when it's a simple one. So when you get into something like you're talking about, yeah. of course, it just creates parallel universes of, of, of thought. And it's fascinating. Well, much like paranormal, uh, you know, events or, or history, there's 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 really a good chance it will never get to the bottom of it. The same with the JFK right. assassination. Right. Nobody will ever really know. It's lost in time right. as as a mystery. And that, that goes so true with so many of these other strange events that happen throughout history. You yes. know, uh, you're just never going to get to the bottom of it, you yep. know, maybe yep. one day, hopefully, but, uh, unlikely, probably. Unlikely. So you grew up in near Boston, right? Correct. A suburb, yeah, suburb of, Boston. of Weymouth, which is about 50 miles South of, uh, of Boston. I feel like New England is rife with oh, yeah. paranormal lore. Boston for sure. I mean, uh, you've got the Bridgewater Triangle is near that area where a bunch of weird stuff happens, whoa. and you have obviously like old, you know, the old the the the, the East Coast seems to be very haunted to me. Well, Salem so much, is yes, is, you, you know, have Salem the, is exactly the most horrifying town in America. It gets very busy this time of year too, September and October. Really can't get into Salem. Mm. Um, it's the home of all of the uh, the witch trials yeah, and the House of Seven Gables right. and. Uh, and so it has, it really, I think it, the city makes all of its money just like in those eight weeks, September oh, and October. Right. Yeah, just overrun um, with goth teens. Totally. <laughs> Super sad. It's like, oh, <laughs> blocking up the sidewalks, <laughs> yeah, walking we... very slowly, the smell of <laughs> yeah. clove smoke right, uh, right. floating around the town. Oh, cloves. But yeah, uh, Boston just being an old, you know, uh, city in terms of American age, uh, there's a lot of, you know, ghost uh, tours in Boston that are affiliated with like the Revolutionary War and mm-hmm. you know all these like American patriots you know Sam Sam Adams uh, ghost walks these floors and um, a lot of old hotels. There's a hotel, this amazing hotel. Oh God, it's the home of uh, the Parker House. Uh, do you know what a Parker House roll is? No, I'm gonna Google it's, it right it's now. It's such a New England thing, but it's 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 this like dinner roll that was baked in a very specific way. It's sort of like this, this New England delicacy, and it was made at the Parker House Hotel. Oh, that looks good. Does it look delicious? I really want one just right now. Soft bread, really. <laughs> uh, it's just it. a roll. Oh, my uncle used to make roll. rolls that kind of looked like this. Yum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. like those little Hawaiian rolls. Exactly yeah. like Hawaiian rolls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. those Hawaiian are great. Style. They oh. also invented Boston uh, cream pie. Oh, the hotel did? Yes, the kitchen. The guy who ran... What about the Dunkin' Donut? Did they do that too? I do. I think they're different. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it was Shanghai Shek or someone who led the North Vietnamese early in the Vietnam, uh, Vietnam War. Start, he lived in Boston and he was a chef. 
he's a cook at the Parker House Hotel, which is crazy. Same hotel that JFK was married in. He had his, um, he wasn't married there, excuse me, he was married in uh, Westport, Rhode Island. I'm also a Kennedy freak. I, I've, I came very close to buying a pair of uh, JFK's uh, swimming trunks. Contact lenses. Uh, that's a whole other. <laughs> that's a missed opportunity. That's another right there. no shit, man. That's <laughs> that another, is uh, also uh, very intimate. I mean, now we're getting. Oh yeah, because you know you're not going to not try those on. That's well, I think he was a size like 27 waist because he had all kinds of back issues and he was super thin. That's the one that my girlfriend was like. Are you fucking out of your mind? Now I can just see you in the you're shorts, like, on the phone. Tom Selleck's Ferrari. Yeah, you're just like... Of JFK <laughs> and Brando. You start wearing his shorts, suddenly all the women that he ever slept with start oh, call, calling you on Brando's phone yeah. for a You date. just totally lose your identity. Yeah, and then I'm gone. Yeah. There was something on eBay, there's little like stainless steel pill case, because he took... He had Addison's disease, which is like an issue with your... Um, adrenaline mm. and he had all these back issues from the war and he had a secret and he, he kept this disease from the american people and he had this little pill case that he kept in his belt and oh. that pill built pill case it's like has his initials on it that's kind of cool eBay, which is kind of amazing but i don't thankfully i haven't purchased you, you it. gotta at least get the pill case Come i on. should maybe one day maybe <laughs> for christmas this year I can't but be that cheap. hotel no that hotel is notoriously haunted my brother stayed there a year or two ago, and I was in Boston with Jess, my girlfriend, and we had drinks with him that night, and we, we walked around the hotel. He did all this research of, like, you should have him on because he's a big ghost person. <sighs> got the um, wrong cordry. God damn I it. I know. No. So sorry. <laughs> and, uh, but that hotel is sort of famous for having all kinds of ghost experiences, and there are certain rooms that people check into that they specifically say, I want room 367. Right. Um, but that makes me think. What actually, are the, did you know the stories of what I happened wish in that I hotel? Did. Like he appears in a like you know like a, a a saucer that's sitting next to the bed. Or uh, something? I wish I wish I remembered. No, I don't. But it's this all is where my... I see my soup. That's my yeah. John Kennedy impersonation. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, it's all right. It's pretty good. Underplay it. Um, <laughs> but that makes me think of a of, of a college ghost story actually that I I did semi experience. It was more of a of a like college lore. But I went to an old college uh, in New Hampshire, and there was this big old brick building, which used to be a dormitory, that turned into like admissions and financial aid and a few classes. It was three stories high. Beautiful brick, you know, um, late 19th century building. And one of the rooms, only one window, if you look at it from the back, from the quad facing the back of the building, on the third floor, the window was bricked over. And every other window was there. That's strange. Oof, and, I, don't, I do not like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's good reason. This student in the 40s, it was an all-women's school back then. It was a nursing school. And this girl was very depressed. And she ended up hanging herself in this room. And the parents, because they were so distraught, they wanted to, and they were ultra-wealthy, from some wealthy New England family. They wanted to preserve the room. Oh, come on. So uh, they paid for the rent of that room, basically, in perpetuity, in some trust. They bricked up the room and bricked up the window. And so there is this one room in this building... Stuck in time. Stuck in time from, like, 1944. That is next-level money? And next yeah. level crazy. Yeah. 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 That, because also, <laughs> if you preserve it, but you can't get into it, I don't understand the... 
it's, point. I mean, I get it. Ori- freshman orientation, the story goes around. Right. And then throughout your time at this college, like every, like it was in the room, in building where they had the radio station and I worked on the paper in the radio station. They were in that building. So I was in that building a lot. And I would go like late at night, we're editing the college newspaper Three in the morning. Well, let's go. Let's go. Let's, we gotta find it. We gotta find this fucking room. So we'd go down these hallways and try to. It was a door. It was like there was a, one room you had to get through to get to this other room, which I think was a professor's office. So you couldn't really get in there because it was locked. So I never was able to. Which is also the perfect setup for totally. it not being real. Right. Right. Because you cannot solve this mystery. Right. Uh, unless you have a jackhammer, <laughs> right? Um, the or truth a professor, is like, the or professor's, professor's just disguise, like, right? Would work too. Yes, he that's was just like, oh, it's just a faulty water heater. We had right. to brick it over. That's right. If he was a really tall, if he was a really tall professor, I could have gotten on the shoulders of, of a, a small buddy. friend. Yes, yeah, uh, with yeah. a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, a monocle, a monocle, just, big hat. Yeah, get us, yeah. get a Sigmund Freud Fake. like Van Dyke. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You're in. I could have got right in there. <laughs> Fuck. If any students at Colby School College are listening to this right now. You have to like cut his eye out, put it up against the eye scanner. That's how you get in. Yes. Yeah. I'll get in there (laughs) eventually. But there's no, suppose you could hear her walking at night. I never did, but I've had friends who who had heard her walking. What is it about haunted dorms? My niece uh, was in town a couple weeks ago, and she's in her, uh, start beginning her junior year. And she's, I guess, apparently they have, at her dorm and maybe I shouldn't say that. Let's bleep that just in case. I don't know. Consider it beep. I don't know. Or we'll go back. What is and, her address? Yeah. <laughs> so so at, at her college dorm, they apparently have closed an entire floor where she was staying her freshman year because there's been so much paranormal activity awesome. that like there, I believe I might be getting some of this wrong, and um, I'll probably hear from my sister if so immediately following the air, you know, this episode dropping. But um, they, uh, I think, like, even all the students were having the same nightmares. Come on. And same weird feeling of, like, something pressing down. Like, almost like they were sharing all the same sleep paralysis stuff. Um, they were seeing people, the, the same entity in their room. They shut down the whole floor. So no one's on that floor right now. Oh, that's which awesome. Which is because it's Come on. super haunted. And all these kids were complaining. They're like, uh, until we figure out what this is, let's just not. Now, this is, I mean, I, my niece has no reason to lie. She was talking about it. And she lived there. And in the, she was like, her freshman year, she did experience weird stuff along with everybody on, on her floor, which mm. is pretty pretty strange. Wow. Now, oddly wow. enough, my sister stayed in that same dorm room same dorm and said there was no paranormal activity then so they think that maybe a student had died in between now and then and now is haunting the but but it's strange yeah, but because people die all the time there must have been something more to ra- surrounding well, the situation right it's, it's weird my uh i went to interlock in arts academy uh-huh. and it's very haunted i've told stories there um about it but our dorm room the counselors the ra counselors used to say that at the end of the year when um, the, all the kids had gone home for the summer and they were cleaning at the week that they spend, like cleaning out the place and moving their stuff out, 
they'd be all like hanging out talking at night in the empty dorm and they would just hear footsteps running down up and down the hallway upstairs and like doors slamming and mm-hmm. they were like it was like oh yeah we hear that all the time and it's just like as soon as it's all cleared out you hear like this life that's still happening and wow, that that's fat it's like is it a ghost or is it some sort of like bio imprint? I mean, this story that you're talking about seems to point towards it's Looney like, Tunes. Yeah, there's also something about younger people being more susceptible to mm-hmm. buying into. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming paranormal stories. Like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds are probably more into spreading stories about ghosts happening in their dorms as opposed to someone who's in their 30s. My, my, I'm guessing. Well, our residence hall directors were all people in their 30s. They were adults that worked there. Wow. And so they were like, as the kids all moved out, and they were like, you know, they were staff at that the school. They would hear, dum, 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 slam. Wow. Bum, 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 Like so much so that they would sometimes go up and look for people and there's nobody there. It's crazy. Wow. Weird. Haunted dorms. How did you guys come together to form this podcast did you discover in conversation we were on the astral each... field one night there we were all <laughs> and cruising. we, uh, we yeah, met in our dreams, yeah, in our dreams. <laughs> right uh we've told this story a few times but uh uh we're on a new network now so maybe some people don't know this uh yeah. bryce started a movie called willow creek directed by bobcat goldthwaite mm-hmm. and i had just watched it um on netflix i believe or on demand or something that part's very important because um, I'm a. Which was in, I've always I've always been into the paranormal and and yeah. cryptozoology and UFOs, and oddly enough, in a strange moment of synchronicity, the week that I had seen Bryce in this movie and I had known him from a previous job years ago, we both got cast on an episode of Major Crimes together. Uh huh. And I was like, this is so weird. I literally just watched your movie this weekend, and he's like, I was like, I love Bigfoot. That was great. He's like, Oh, you like Bigfoot? And then we were like talking about this stuff at Crafty all week. Yeah, wow. it just sort of and, sparked off yeah. a whole uh, paranormal conversation: aliens, ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoots. Yeah, so a couple of years of us getting together over lunch. Which, believe it or not, business. not a lot of people you can talk to about yeah. this stuff. So yeah, I bet it was kind of like, oh shit, you know. Uh, we wanted to know what each of us thought about our own theories and what we thought it was all, what books we'd read, what movies we had watched and yeah and that sort of sparked it and then mike was like we should do a paranormal podcast and and then we wow. discovered uh this place the yeah. studio in riley through a podcast i did with jen kirkman yeah and then oh uh-huh. here we are. and yeah. as you can see the books together. on his shelf he was very much into this stuff too so we were like it was very synchronicitous we were just like oh fucking great you know and yeah is there a go-to book to read about paranormal experiences like the number one most popular Oh, that's a, that's a great question. That's a, a great question. question that we might talk about later in this yeah, episode. Yeah, that's a really good oh, question. So we're going to tease that out. Uh, before we move on to our game uh, that we like to play with our guests, uh, I heard mention something of a killer clown that lived in your neighborhood as a child. Well, Central High School in Weymouth, Massachusetts was shut down in... Fuck, probably 79. I was born in 77. 79 or 80, it shut down. But they didn't knock it down. They just closed the school. Mm. And it remained there. And it became a place where kids would go and to, you know, smoke dope. And uh, there was ways to, like, sneak into the school and run around. Um, And you could actually... I remember when I was a kid sneaking into the gym... And the floorboards were like, you know, 
kind of bending up. They were coming off the ground. And there were still sh- like Converse, like Chuck Taylor sneakers on the floor. Oh, You're like, wow. oh, one day I'm going to want to collect those so bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. Thanks so much. Uh, they, for some, like they didn't fucking clean the school before they sh- shut it down permanently and put chains on the on the doors. And that was where supposedly the killer clown roamed. He lived in the school. Perfect place of, for him. Yeah, perfect. This is sort of <laughs> Freddy Krueger-esque, like lives in the basement of the school. Totally. The fucking, mm-hmm. um, where the uh, oil tank is that heats the fucking school. He lives down there and, mm-hmm. and he dresses like a clown and he comes out at night. Uh, but every so often... There were fields next to the school, and they'd have, like, youth soccer games up there. And every so often, some friend of mine would be leaving a practice, you know, at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. This is when they were young, you know, 9, 10, 11. And uh, just, like, out of the corner of their eye, they'd turn around, they'd see just, like, walking into the woods at that time was someone in, a like, a vintage, you know, clown outfit. Mm. Not super, like, you know, 60s clowning. Very Like John Pennywise. Would- well, that's more, well, more in like the 40s. 20s or 30s. In the 20s, book, yeah. though, he's wearing like a full-on like um, Bozo the Clown, like 1950s, mm. 60s TV clown, like Krusty the Clown okay. uniform. Okay. And the book and the movie made him more creepy vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. This was more like 60s, 50s yeah. or 60s. And but he would like disappear in the woods, and you never, you know, you never saw him. No one has like a photograph of the killer clown. But supposedly he lived in Central High School. Whoa! Uh, and I remember going up there as a kid and sneaking into that school and it fucking scaring the shit out of me. And they eventually tore it down and put up condos or I think uh, elderly housing, maybe like a. I'm not sure what's up there now, but there's still fields. There's still one big soccer field and two little league fields. That's where I played little league as a kid. And every time I, I went back there a couple of years ago, actually, I was there at home, and one of my best friends from high school, his son is playing Little League now in the same field. Wow. And we went to go see that game, and I was like, yep, yeah, that's where the killer clown. Killer clown. Yeah, and he, he, he of course, he, yeah, he's like, yeah, fucking killer clown. That's where he hung out. Did, they, did he ever have a name? Like Jeremy. Whippy. Jeremy? I don't know. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy all the that, killer clown. All, all that uh, package, and right. his name's Jeremy. It's Hello. me, Jeremy. And his name was Jeremy Clown, right. which is weird. Right. Um, no, I no name. He was in. He was in the same universe, though. This guy was harmless, supposedly, as a guy. <laughs> there was a guy, like a obviously like a homeless dude who was roaming the town, and there were very few homeless in my town. But there was a one guy who was just sort of like a strung out deadbeat. He, I'm assuming this guy, poor guy, probably suffered from some, some sort of mental illness. But the rumor, the urban myth, was that he took, instead of taking one hit of acid... Uh, yeah. he, do you oh, know this yeah. guy? No, just this it's is the like old, a, this too is much the old acid too much thing. acid guy. Yes. Yeah. He took, you know, 200 hits of acid, and he thinks that he's a glass of orange juice. I've heard exactly that story. You have? Yeah, totally. His nickname was OJ. You oh call my him God. OJ. Whoa, that just like flashed me back to high school. Weird. Maybe that's in every like suburban that's town. That's like an urban a, legend. Yeah. Yes. I've never heard this. OJ, and he I thinks he's a glass of orange yeah. juice. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> there, Whoa is right. There was a woman. I don't think I've told this story. There was a woman in my neighborhood, the neighborhood next to mine growing up in Kansas, and you heard rumors, this was really sad and really creepy, but there was a rumor that um, there was a woman who lived in this house, and when we'd ride our bikes, we'd be like, that's the house where the 
crazy woman lives, that the story was one night a neighbor saw that her garage door was cracked open like a foot and saw fumes coming out of of the uh like the car was running and fumes uh-huh. were coming out and the guy was, the neighbor was super worried and he could see that she was literally sucking on the tailpipe and flipping around like a fish out of water. Oh God. Called the police, saved her, but now she's damaged from all the f- car fumes. Yeah. And, um, and like I never saw this woman, but be like that's where the scary woman, crazy woman lives. She lives in that house. And then it was said at night she walks around the neighborhoods talking to herself. And I think I probably heard that story in middle school, early high school. And one night I was driving home from my friend Jordan's house or my buddy Eric's, and. I was in like little Volkswagen, 1970s Volkswagen bug. Whoa. And I was driving alongside, pulling into my neighborhood, and there was this gaunt, pale woman with stringy hair walking down the side, because we didn't even have sidewalks, walking down the side, the edge of the road, talking to herself. And I was like, oh my God, it's true. She really exists. And that was the only time I ever saw her. And this wasn't like a ghost story. It was like, she was a real woman, but Mm. I knew exactly who she was. Now, I don't know if that fucked up dark story about her is really true. Maybe she tried killing herself in the car. I don't know. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe she was just like a sad, lonely lady who liked to walk around at night. But it, I remember that terrified me. Whoa. Yeah, that would have scared the creepy. I just got fucking, my goosebumps came up with that Yeah, I was like, well, there she is. Weird. Sad, sad story. Um, On that note, we have a game we like to play with our guests. It's called Bullshit or Believe It. Mm -hmm. That's right. We keep forgetting. Well, you keep forgetting. I'm ready. I'm on (laughs) the trigger. He's on the trigger, bro. (laughs) You almost passed me by again. It's called Bullshit or Believe It. I already played the sound. Oh, play. fair enough. All right. <laughs> Can't reload it. All right. So I'm going to go down a list of cryptids, creatures, and stuff. And if you believe it, you say believe it. If you think it's bullshit, you say bullshit. It's just that easy. If you're somewhere in between, you got to pick one or the two. Okay. And we can always circle back and talk about them. Thank you. Um, if I get a little stingy about the rules, don't worry. That's just the role I've become while playing this game. He loves the rules. On your mark, get set. Ghosts. Bullshit. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Angels. Bullshit. Gnomes. Bullshit. Unicorns. Hard bullshit. Shadow people. Get the fuck out of here. Loch Ness Monster. What are you, nuts? <laughs> Little gray aliens. Uh, what? Gray. Alien grays. No. Dogman. Dogman? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta read some books, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> All right, Dogman seems believable. Okay. <laughs> Okay, you gotta say believe it or bullshit. Believe it. Getting a little creative. Here we go. (laughs) Parallel universes. Believe it. The Loveland Frogman. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit. Mermaids. Bullshit. Heaven. Bullshit. Hell. Bullshit. Yeti. Believe it. Venusians, a.k.a. Hot Blondes from Venus. Bullshit. ESP. Believe it. Chupacabra. Believe it. Demons. Bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Bat Squatch. 
giant bat. Right. Met Mount St. Helens. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Maybe came from the heart of a volcano. Maybe. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. Bullshit. Peace in the multiverse. Believe it. Great. Oh, See? Dude, nice job. This was oh, a God. real mixed bag. What did I, what did I, I score? You did great. No, what there's no score. score. You win. No, yeah, yeah, it's you all did. perfect um, scores. I say game. I know oh, you're, in, you're a gambling man. Uh, you sure, won sure. Uh, What's the $500. Great. <laughs> yeah. More Wayne money for Gretzky cards. autograph. So, yeah. Believe in UFOs, alien grays, you're like, bullshit. UFOs, you're like, believe it. But the grays, the the things we that we see in popular culture with the black yeah. almond eyes, you're saying no, no, no. Who do you no. think's flying those UFOs? I I think anything that uh, anything that is drawn, that is reconstructed, that people think that they saw, mm. that, that's that none of that is real. Gotcha. I think they're uh, clever enough and smart enough to keep themselves uh, out of sight. So the, I don't know if we can imagine what they look like. Okay. Do you oh. think they're piloted craft, or are they just sort of an energy plasma um, invading our space? I would say, yeah, I wouldn't say it's, it's a piloted craft. Mm-hmm. I can't see, I can't imagine aliens in an alien garage somewhere, like, building something. That gotcha. I, That seems too far-fetched. Okay. It seems like that's too simple, that's too human. Yeah, I, I like that. That's well, but like what that. if they're us, they're like us, but they have, like, even a thousand years... Two thousand years head start on on evolution. Uh, those aren't the aliens that I see in my head. But if that okay. was the case, then yeah, like a thousand year advanced garage, maybe yeah. that's something that exists. Okay. But All right, cool. I, I think like it's it. more energy, and they're still like interested it. in probing us. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That never changes. That, that never goes away. Bigfoot, Bigfoot. You said believe it. Yeah, are you being I like nice, that. or do you believe it? No, I I believe it. I believe it. What is Bigfoot to you? Um, I'm. I'm assuming uh, there is there is something that uh, if if it was captured and you know brought into daylight, mm-hmm. um, we could turn into being a, a, a. But I'm assuming it's it's some sort of um, one in a million, you know, uh, gene sequencing disaster. Okay. Uh, sort of a that was um... abandoned, you know. Do you think Perhaps. it's more of an offshoot of like a uh, primitive man, like a, uh, a relics population of Neanderthal, or do you think it's more part of the the primate species, like an undiscovered wood ape, perhaps? Wow, I I I've never given this question <laughs> a moment's thought. This right. is what we're but here now, for. Uh, yeah, that seems to be more viable to me. Which one? The, the... Uh, from a primate. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so you were thinking before, and I like this, that it is one creature that's like a freak of nature that's been yeah. living out in the woods for yeah. a, oh, a wow. long time. And may have, may have died. May have died by and now. And yeah, it may not be around anymore. That's great. Have there been recent, like in the last five years? Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Gotcha. The, gotcha. The, 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 the prevailing modern theory is that because they're, they're witnessed all across... America, the world, really, and really the world, but especially Whoa. Northern America, um, North America, they have like there's a theory, there's there's the biological cryptozoological theory that it is a a primate, a flesh a species and blood of creature. primate that, like the mountain gorilla, is extremely elusive, very very rare, 
and has just evaded real human contact still. And we're talking in, you know, swamps and in mountainous regions where deep, deep woods where people don't often go. Which is what cryptozoology really is. It's it's people hearing about myths and legends of these supposed beasts or creatures that are later actually discovered. Um, right. You and, know, and it people happens discover, quite often. Yeah, but a lot of the stuff that we're discovering now... Animals that we haven't discovered before usually tend to be like really small frogs in the rainforest or like sea creatures that are deep right. underwater. Squid, yeah, the giant, yeah, giant and panda, and stuff. the, well, uh, the silverback gorilla almost yeah. just around 100 well, years ago. The, are you talking about like in the last 20 years? I'm talking years? about now. Yeah. Yeah. A silverback gorilla was a myth until, you know, like hmm. late 1800s. Yeah. Wow. Um, the locals described all said, by the locals. No, yeah. they live up there. But when we say was well, a myth, we're talking about Western civilization really hadn't discovered them un- until around that time. And then uh, that's when Tarzan was written because it was a very big thing. And, and King Kong, not too long after that, was made because people were fascinated by this idea of there was this whole species of primate that had was a legend wow. and, and then finally was discovered. And Bigfoot similarly was becoming popular around that same time. And of course we have not, you know, a lot of people think, well, he would have been discovered by now or the species would have been proven to exist. And then you get into, that's where you get into a whole other level of thinking, which is, well, people haven't found them because they're not from this dimension. Yeah. They possibly. can slip in and out. And oh, wow. that tracks with a lot of Native American mythology that they would say, yes, the hairy man or the wild man or the Saskatoon or the Sasquatch Whoa. was a spiritual creature that could slip in and out of the spirit realm and our world. Which is Whoa. pretty fucking weird. Wow. It's so, a heavy topic. And there's, but a, yeah, lot yeah, of, like there's a lot of like stories yeah. and eyewitness accounts that might lend some credence to both yeah. both of those categories. It's really true. And at the same time, there's a there's really a, a, a plethora amount of physical evidence that's left, like foot trackways, hairs that uh that can't be traced to exact uh origin and uh you know, as well as the photographic and video evidence, which is, you know, always a little bit blurry for, for most people's taste. But yeah, there is a lot of stuff uh, that points to a physical existence of this creature. And then there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that ties to that this this creature might, you know, be more paranormal in, in nature. Wow. It's strange. It's weird. Mind is blown. It's it is very weird. weird. But I do like the lonely freak of nature theory. Yeah. I think that that was yeah. actually a prevailing theory for a long time. And the, and the popular version of Bigfoot in mass media tends to be that, a one-of-a-kind yeah. creature. like, well, I'm just living in the woods by myself. Don't hunt yeah. me. Right. You know, With a crazy voice. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. You heard Always. him at the beginning of the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then you said yes to Yeti, too, which is the, the, yeah. the Eastern Himalayan version of, of the yeah. Bigfoot, the more of the, the snow mountain. Yeah, I would say of the same, of the same, like a strange, you know, abstract, bizarre, one in a million, you know, that. species that is uh, impossible to discover. Yeah, well, because he's white, and the snow yeah. is white. So it's so hard yeah. to find him. Well, so you yeah. can't. Yeah, you can't. Um, uh, he's the polar bear of Bigfoot. Thank you. Uh, some stories of the Yeti say that he has red hair and looks more like an orangutan. Mm. Really? So it might be some. Uh, Again, a prime orangutan. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. There isn't a G. You sounded like Brando on a phone right there. Yeah. Orangutan. 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 
<laughs> orangutan. There was that scene when he, when he buys an that orangutan in the first Godfather as a wedding gift for his. Now, Michael, is it a tan or a tan? In this next, <laughs> is it orangutan? In this next picture, I'm going to take an orangutan. And turn him into a man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back uh, with this week's story of high strangeness. Sweet. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, so we are back with uh, my week's story of high strangeness. It's Bryce's turn. Yay. Uh, So I begin this one with a quote, and it is, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Does anybody know who said that? Nikola Tesla. That's exactly right. Nikola Tesla. I mean, I I didn't get a chance to answer. (laughs) (laughs) For centuries... Scientists and researchers alike have attempted to describe all the fundamental forces of nature and how they interact in a single theory. I'm talking about the holy grail of scientific discoveries, the unified field theory. This unified unified field theory stumped the likes of even Albert Einstein, who worked tirelessly on the theory for many years, only to walk away confused and confounded by the ability of separated objects to share a condition or state of which he called spooky action at a distance. Spooky. Now we're talking. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. In physics, a field is an area. I love it when Bryce responds to something <laughs> he's just said. It's the best. As if he's another person responding to his own work. But I have it written down. So. That's what I'm oh, saying. That's that's like, it's, just, Sorry, it's a narrative yeah. device that it you It says use right here, laugh like. at your own joke. Yes. Yeah. I picture you typing it up. Like, mm, that's, good. that's like that old joke about like when Trump gives a speech, he'll say something and then he'll go, that's right. That's, that's right. right. That's, that's right. right. As if he's the other person in the conversation oh agreeing with himself. It's great. In physics, a field is an area under the influence of some force, such as gravity or electromagnetism. A field theory refers generally to why physical phenomena happen and how these phenomena interact with nature. However, there's a problem. The natural laws that affect large objects like planets, people, and pool balls don't apply to smaller objects like atoms, molecules, and subatomic particles. In other words, the universe seems to be operating by two different sets of rules, the macro and the micro. That is, of course, unless we just haven't found all the missing pieces to the puzzle yet. 
Nate, did you know you're going to science class today? I'm yeah, fucking pumped very to be here. I have for you, my right. next line. But enough about science. <laughs> On to Bigfoot. Bryce, enough about science. <laughs> Sorry, Bryce. <laughs> On to Bigfoot. As far as the paranormal goes, which is defined as events or phenomena that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. Much like the sciences discussed beforehand, paranormal researchers so too like to work in a similar singular fashion, separated by their subject matter and not keen to co-mingle with their ideas, let alone each other. Ufologists do not want to hear about Bigfoot, and of course, Bigfooters don't have time for portals or space beams. They're too busy looking for bones. Abductees don't believe the contactees. Angels and demons are just religious fare. And the ghost hunters, well, you know, they just want to hunt ghosts. And don't even get me started on gnomes and fairies, mermaids and unicorns. But what if all of these different types of phenomena were somehow connected? And not just connected, but deeply connected. What if the world of the supernatural could somehow be tied together with a unifying theory? In one thick fucking orgy of the senses. <laughs> it sounds crazy. Bigfoot dicks and alien oh, vagins. Oh, Michael, what? for God's sakes. <laughs> what? I like that. But when you think about it, but when you think about You're it, is it on, really Bryce. that Thanks, Bryce. crazy? Enter John Keel and his grand theory of paranormal oneness, the super spectrum. Now, anyone who truly knows anything about the strange and weird knows about the work of John Keel, the father of high strangeness. American journalist and investigator of the unexplained, Keel is best known for his groundbreaking work, The Mothman Prophecies, which covered flying winged creatures, bizarre alien encounters, prophetic visions, and face-to-face run-ins with the dreaded men in black. Due to its popularity, it later became a hit movie of the same name starring Richard Gere. Perhaps what is not known is that a good portion of Keel's work was left out of the Mothman prophecies. Keel himself stated that 50% of the original manuscript was edited out by faceless editors in tiny cubicles. <laughs> that disturbing other half... They have no face. Yeah. How can they read the words on the page? <laughs> <laughs> the disturbing other half was pulled out of the bin expanded upon and became the often overlooked title the eighth tower i love that they were like john we love the part about the spooky winged creature Mm. that um caused a bridge to break and a bunch of people to die but But all this this other weird shit we can't really publish yeah we're gonna leave that out well that was in the often overlooked book the eighth tower in which Keel ponders poetically the existence of a single intelligent force behind all religious, occult, and UFO phenomena, including BHMs, or Big Hairy Monsters. A force or intelligent quite different from our own, one that could toy with, push, probe, baffle, befuddle, inspire, and illuminate. A force that coalesces and materializes its energies just outside the boundaries of our known electromagnetic spectrum a spectrum he coined the super spectrum. So just what is the super spectrum? In Keel's own words, this is a hypothetical spectrum of energies that are known to exist, but that cannot be accurately measured with present-day instruments. It is a shadowy world of energies that produce well-observed effects, particularly on biological organisms, namely people. Keel continues, this super spectrum 
is the source of all paranormal manifestations, from extrasensory perception to flying saucers, little green men, and tall hairy monsters. When, it is what, ho- what year did sorry, did, uh, <laughs> this is the only time I apologize for interrupting. Uh-huh. What what year did this book come out? Seventy something? That's a great question. I, I would have to look that up. I think it's 1970, 71, 72. Yeah, it's I just wanted there. to like put into context when he's writing this stuff. Sure. Yes. After Altamont. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Uh, continuing with his quote, it is hard to pin down scientifically because it is extra dimensional, meaning that it exists outside of our own space-time continuum, yet influences everything within our reality. And while this theory was self-admittingly hypothetical, it was also sound. In case you didn't know, Keel aced his science courses in little to no time at all before becoming bored and leaving school altogether. I'm too smart for this shit. I got- <laughs> Get out of here, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, I want to look at aliens uh, anyway. He easily reminds us that everything experienced in our world that is seen, heard, or felt is done so through frequencies, waves, and vibrations, of which the human species can only sense a small fraction thereof. For example, we can only hear a tiny portion of the available sound waves, which are measured in a unit of frequency known as hertz, which is why you can blow as hard as you want into a dog whistle and not hear a damn thing. And as far as seeing goes, we only see a small fraction of visible light on the electromagnetic spectrum. While many other species can see light outside the human visible spectrum, like bees and many other insects, who can actually detect ultraviolet light, which helps them find nectar and flowers. Bees see ghosts. Bees, bees see ghosts. Uh. Dude, we need... You know how, like, you have a dog when you go hunting? You need bees when you go ghost hunting. <laughs> well, you know, it's, funny, it's funny you mentioned dogs, because pet psychologist Marty Miller says, sensing the supernatural is natural for dogs, because they don't judge it. People could see auras or spirits, but they either don't believe they exist or they think that if they do exist, we could not see them. Did that pet psychologist also ace his science classes and <laughs> left school because he yeah. didn't think he'd be yeah. yeah. that He was out. too smart for middle school, yeah. so he quit. <laughs> and, you know, when we really think about it, perhaps it does make sense that all this weirdness is somehow related or even caused by some outside energy or intelligence, a sort of precognitive sentient phenomena and it may just help explain why bigfoot or lake monsters have never been caught why there's no concrete evidence for ufos why spacemen and aliens seem to have an endless variety of sizes and forms not to mention agendas and do we really think that the astral soul body of our great aunt tilly is just hanging around haunting us until we get that message that everything is okay up here and don't even get me started on mermaids and unicorns I mean, what is the alternative You're here? bringing them up a lot. It sounds like Maybe you want to get, get started. started. I mean, what's the alternative here? That there's an endless variety of extraterrestrials probing us from an endless variety of technologically advanced civilizations? That gnomes and fairies only like Europeans? Or the reason we've never caught Bigfoot is just because he's the world champion of hide-and-seek? I don't know. It just seems all too strange and ludicrous for it not to be connected somehow. But maybe that's just me trying to oversimplify I guess the real question here is, what is this force or intelligence that seems to be interfering in our daily lives? What does it want? Or why does it choose who it chooses to communicate with? John Keel thought that perhaps when we open ourselves up to this phenomena, whether it be through religious fervor, black magic, witchcraft, or even as something as benign as having a genuine interest in this stuff, like checking out a book about ghosts at the bookmobile, that that's when... 
the reflective factor as well as the synchronistic factors engage us. Because when the human mind is properly oriented or disoriented, it attracts static from the superspectrum. And Keel has never been hesitant to point out the fact that this might not be a good thing, that this stuff does not always end well. In fact, it often ends very badly. He reminds us that researchers who have tried to figure this stuff out have become disheartened, paranoid, even suicidal. And although we don't hear about it a lot, there are no shortage of stories where individuals have been harmed or even killed by little green men in their flying saucers, or children who are taken away to fairyland never to return. Which begs the question, what the fuck am I doing exploring all this stuff? I don't know. I can't help it. I've seen shit I can't explain. Experienced stuff that has no logical explanation. I have felt the presence of the cosmic trickster. All of which has left me a profound impact on me and invariably altered my worldview. So I guess I'm journey bound. And to me that's a better alternative than living a life with no mystery at all like watching the same movie over and over and over again. And I think that's why you're listening right now to this podcast, because you too have felt the presence of the strange. You too have heard things go bump in the night. You've seen some shit. And you can either turn your head and ignore it, or you can ask yourself, and I mean really ask yourself, what the fuck was that? What is really going on here? And is any of this real? I don't know. You tell me. And that's it. Whoa. Yeah, man. Whoa, man. Deep shit, right? Are those your... That's your perspective you're speaking That's about. Yes, yes. Uh, Whoa. That's how I relate to what Keel is saying, absolutely. That he seemed to felt, and nobody researched this stuff more than, than John Keel himself... I mean, he he amassed a collection of of, of reports of uh, this guy of was like sh- boots on the ground in the sixties and seventies. Boots on the ground. Go to your house. Town what did to you town see? to town to town to town. Wow. Town to town to town. All these stories. That's right. And so a it was strange, man. Yeah, yeah very was, strange. And it was sort of his putting together uh, that this isn't just some like metallic beryllium ship from the Pleiades. That this is this is a phenomena. This is this is some sort of force or energy that manifests itself on the opposite ends of, of this electromagnetic spectrum, beings which he coined ultra-terrestrials, you know, and that all this stuff is related, and that's how it shifts and it moves and it and it changes throughout time, throughout society, throughout culture, how we ourselves experience it in different ways. It's almost know? as if wow. he's basically describing digital streaming Mm. for media before that was a thing right where it's like this super spectrum can download or stream all these various types of paranormal phenomenon and it just it's 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 whatever like platform you're on at the time like oh i'm on the bigfoot platform i'm on the ufo platform yeah but it's all being the it might be different entities, but they're all using the same different you know the same technology of streaming to yeah. get into your eyeballs or get into your head. Yeah, it's weird. Did that metaphor hold up? Sort of roughly, kind of, kind of. It's not great, but man. but it is. But but then I think what he's saying even wants to beyond that is that there is sort of a programming director or cosmic that's trickster right. that's like actually Hulu, Netflix. Uh, Disney Plus, 
all this stuff, CBS All Access, it's all just me telling you different stories. Mm. I just want you plugged in and making sure you're paying attention to me. And so in that sense, he's not that this cosmic trickster is kind of like an evil corporate overlord like a, like a paranormal rupert murdoch yeah a yeah. little bit i don't a know you know it's, rupert it's murdoch. weird it's weird yeah. absolutely and, and some people are like well i just get it through a religious portal or i get it through a paranormal yeah. portal but it's all the same shit just in a different package well and, and and what's really interesting and and which i can confirm i think in my own life and michael you might be able to as well but that when you really start Paying attention to this stuff when when you're doing a podcast about it for two years, every this week. stuff starts <laughs> every week. This stuff starts to look back at you, and it starts to uh, present itself in strange and unexplainable ways. You know, just to give you another example, uh, Keel also points out the role of synchronicity in these strange events and suggests that there is a very little chance involved in these encounters that sightings seem to follow preset geographical and time patterns and in these seemingly chance contacts they also carry out repetitive actions that almost seem rehearsed adding the law of synchronicity has created a fascinating statistical anomaly that suggests the witnesses are not accidental but are actually selected and goes on further to state that Allied with the synchronous events is what I call the reflective factor, uh, a mirroring of the mind, that somehow the phenomenon reflects back material that supports whatever beliefs or theories motivate the investigators. To cite an example, Keel reflects on an experience to help support his idea in his own words. Once just for the hell of it, I doodled with the notion that some of our parahumans might be aquatic. They were often seen wearing turtleneck sweaters, and I wondered, not very seriously, if their turtlenecks might be concealing something like gills. Naturally, I didn't discuss this preposterous theory with anyone, but, and this was utterly amazing to me, the very week I played with this idea, I suddenly received a letter from a young man in Florida who described a remarkable encounter. He had been hitchhiking and was picked up by a very strange man who had gill-like flaps on his throat. I've never received any other reports of this type. It is a one of a kind. This is like when you have a conversation about uh, uh, like tennis shoes and specific Nike Air tennis shoes, and then your phone <laughs> your gets blown up. Your Instagram gets blown up with uh, ads for tennis shoes. Mm. I completely buy into the idea of certain people being. Uh, more susceptible to having encounters based on being open to it. That that makes complete sense to me. Yeah, if you're if you're willing to have this happen in your life, and like you, you've said, you spent the last two years doing this podcast, so you've mm-hmm. been doing a lot of study, you've been doing a lot of a lot of dialogue on this. I'm not surprised at all that you may have s- looked at things twice that you didn't look at before. Yeah, you're just priming yourself to have an uh, an experience if you're if you're buying into all of it being real i'm sure you're more likely to have those experiences than a than a doubter well that's in a very astute point nate uh clinical psychologist and cognitive psychologist christopher shabri says what we pay attention to is largely determined by our expectations of what should be present without expecting something we are unlikely to pay attention to it when we are not paying attention to something we are surprisingly likely to not see it. So our brain really acts. There's so much information slamming at our brain every second 
that really are the job of our brain is as a filter. You know, we see this tree and really all we get is our brain filters the idea of a tree. We don't know. We don't need to like stare at it and try and figure it out. Our brain tells us that's a tree, you know, mm-hmm. same as everything around us. So, you know, it's really just filtering out a huge amount of data, of information, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you totally, and I love this high strangeness, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the other side of that, which is confirmation bias. Yeah. Again, where you're going to see what you're looking to see. And in that same analogy you're using where your brain looks at a tree it's actually filling in those gaps because you're expecting a tree that's right so you don't necessarily have to read the whole tree the brain says yeah tree cool yeah but if you're like ghosts 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 right ghosts, right and then well, you see something the brain's like ghosts yeah that right. explains so, why it's both sides that, it's true that yeah. explains stuff like and also look we're looking for fun content and you know taking small moments like a casual run-in with a neighbor like I had a few weeks ago, and no, I know I'm I'm, I'm, one, yeah. I'm hanging in on example. this one because, <laughs> yeah. and then, Michael long thought story he saw short, a ghost, I thought I saw a neighbor. ghost, and it was not gotcha. a ghost; it was a neighbor, <laughs> it was a person. And but and and, and and as they walked out of my field of vision, it looked like they walked through a fence, and I was like, "What?" Right? But now this that that actually supports the, your theory supports why instead of going oh he walked up his driveway I went it's a ghost because we're so in, inundated with yes. this stuff now yes. that our brain is starting to look for paranormal shit where yes. it's not happening mm. and the other question that I bring up to is and so it supports John Keel's argument of like and and confirmation bias in a way but the other thing that I think about too is when he says. And I don't want to be a negative Nancy Instagram followers, but <laughs> when he says, you know, a lot of people who go down this path are end up, you know, dead or ill or disheartened, disheartened would sometimes. Be the best way to. I, I just wonder because there's so much paranoia and weirdness in this field that it doesn't attract people who are already feeling weird and paranoid who are struggling with some uh, undiagnosed mental illness and um, are looking for a worldview that will back up them not being mentally ill and instead no i'm saying i'm not saying this means that there's no such thing as this stuff Mm -hmm. but it's certainly you don't have to go too far no you you don't have to go too far in this field to find people who have struggled with mental illness look philip k dick perfect example that guy was brilliant brilliant futurist brilliant science fiction writer contemporary of john keel in many ways like he's writing and experiencing and writing about some of the same phenomenon and you know he had many many multiple oh i don't want to say many many but he definitely dealt with uh, he had dealt with mental illness, wrote about it in Vallis, dealt with um What he wrote breakdowns. about in Vallis was not mental illness. What he wrote about in Vallis was the supernatural I know, that took place on him. He's through, also writing a precognitive sentient force. But see, that's the other thing is like he is also writing about being mentally ill, suicidal, and all of that stuff as well. So that's his that's his interpretation and his reality of his own mental illness. Listen, I would be remiss to say that paranormal events, paranormal happenings, don't just happen to mentally ill people. Oh, I'm not saying, Bryce, yeah. you were saying that that's what I'm saying. I'm not. Okay. I'm saying that it also can attract it's people who are predisposed. 
predisposition to paranoid thoughts. Yeah. And the supernatural. I'm not saying... Well, why does religion attract anybody, right? They, they, they harbor and they are protected by this feeling of, a, of an unknown entity that has super omniscient presence over their lives and the lives of the world. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's, well, you're trying to figure out the unfigureoutable. You know, you're really just contemplating the existence of God and what that means. Sure. You're contemplating the existence of the universe, of reality. Mm-hmm. And and yes, this can hearken to opening up views to to different things, you know? Oh, 100%. Under Keel's assumption is that all this, you know, this, this talk of like, you know, angels and demons, that comes from the paradigm of having a religious background, which so many people on planet Earth do. Right. You know, I would say the majority of, of the 8 billion people that populate this planet, about 4 billion of them have a religion that they equate to a monotheistic God. You know, so they're all looking for the same thing. They're all under these same sort of parameters, you know, hoping to find or validate or, um, you know, pre-concerned biased. Uh, but really, what they're looking for is is God. Is 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 any of that so much different than than all these other things? No, 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 no not at all. I just wanted to sidebar and say that you know, in some of these cases where people end up worse off than they were before they yeah. got into it, they might have been headed down a bad path without the proper treatment anyway. Touche. That's it. That's I'm not saying everybody. Yeah. I'm saying some of those cases. So you're saying the podcast is not going to drive us all crazy? No, of course not. No. <laughs> I, 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 it doesn't negate what he's saying, but, but when he's using that as an example of it yeah. being a dark force, yeah. we also have to remember that it is a light bulb. It's a light to moths that are looking for meaning, like you're saying. Sure. And like any other stuff, you know, some of those cases might be people who are struggling with something else. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested in your wait, opinion. Do you have listeners who are like tinfoil hat folks? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm hope sure. so. Yeah. Right. That that buy into, like I'm, they actually, like literally make tinfoil hats. And, uh, I don't know. I actually don't point. know. If you make tinfoil hats, let us know. I don't know how much <laughs> that's a real thing or how much that is, or was a real thing and how much now it's a cliche. Um, but yeah, I wonder what I think, the 2019 version of tinfoil hat. Is. Yeah, I don't know oh because God. I think Faraday maybe crystals cage. or yeah, Faraday cage. I don't know. Yeah, I think that um, there is in this field. There's a wide spectrum from we have to fear the aliens. The aliens are coming to get us, or whatever the other is. Yes. To let's embrace the aliens. The aliens are coming to save us, mm-hmm. and there's everything in between. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. You know? Yeah. And uh, no, and and there are are level headed people that are get, who get into this stuff on, on on the spectrum, and then there's also like people that are you know you know struggle paranoid schizophrenics. Yeah, and yeah, and, the and, and and then go ah, this this is what's happening to me. I had a really good friend in New York I, who I grew up with, and we became good pals in New York as well. And he had a schizophrenic breakdown, and. What he was believing was that the devil was talking to him, the devil was inside his head, and that there were angels and demons, and the devil was telling him to do X, Y, and right. Z. Right, oh, yeah. And he ended up, you know, with no clothes on in the streets of San Francisco and was committed, and, and we had a really horrible falling out a couple of years ago. Um, but he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and he it started really slowly. I guess this, this that sort of mental illness starts to develop I think in men, primarily in their 20s, yep. it's not something that happens 
when you're in your teens. It's like Tends 20. to manifest in yeah, your early like 20, t- like 20 to 24. Yeah. Um, for some reason, the, that part of the brain uh, clicks clicks on. And he started sending me these, you know, these sort of, um, these ideas. He, he'd written this screenplay and, and things just sort of got a little more bizarre, more bizarre. And he was a big, big angels and demons mm-hmm. guy. Um, and didn't wasn't raised in a in a religious house, but um, I don't know why I brought that up. No, but um, it was just talking. I mean, it relates to the idea of like absolute. the spectrum speaking yeah. to him. But I also I find it I find it a little convenient that he says that a lot of this can't be studied because we don't have the instruments. It's impossible for us to create the instruments to study, mm. which was early in your reading. Yeah, um, I find that as the ultimate sort of like back door out of the well how do how do we fig, how do we find out how do we find out the truth it's impossible right well shit man like then you're just opening it up to more and more folks inventing whatever they want to invent and follow whether it's a, a god or a or a, a yeti when you're when it's explained that you can never get the truth or the, he's caught or i could see it as him calling for like we don't have that technology Which yet. Which we did. I mean, this was written mm-hmm. 50 and years ago. This is a calling for like, let's get some of that. Let's yeah. figure mm-hmm. this out. And I mean, we didn't have stuff like spectroscopy or uh, spectroscopy, I <laughs> Anesthesiology. think. Anesthesiology. Anesthesiology. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It, it, it was a hypothetical theory that he postulated. and uh, uh, But, you know, science, a lot, of, a lot of science has sort of backed up that we're still sort of figuring out what is on the electromagnetic spectrum at both ends we don't really know where it starts and stops yeah you know there is a lot of unseen forces at play like like albert einstein would say spooky action at a distance you know? i really yeah. like that description of the, the the different laws governing the micro and the macro in your yeah because yeah I, that's where i land with this stuff mainly is it's just science that we haven't been able to work out yet yeah and that very well could be the case you know and you mentioned the the demons and angel things something i came across is uh, this guy named Gustav Davidson, who, like, in the last 40 years, he wrote this book uh, called A Dictionary of Angels. And before, he had never experienced a paranormal experience before, but he was going to sort of catalog uh, this Dictionary of Angels. And during his work of writing this, in his quote, he was bedeviled by demons and angels. So starting this work sort of opened up this door uh you know, into this and sort of this was the worldview he was seeing at the time, you know, so perhaps, yeah, and mental illness is a real thing. It's something we shouldn't shy away from talking about. And there no, are a lot of, you know, yeah. there's a stigma surrounding that. There too. is a stigma surrounding it. And yeah, you're right. And you there's can't nothing talk to be ashamed of. Stuff. And I also do, I also want to just say as a sidebar, too, I don't mean to say that people who have mental illness can't be level headed. That's not what I mean. I was just I was actually trying to find a better word for level headed. But sure. Um it's it's just tricky because yeah. a lot of you I think also that the thing that we have to sort through here and you know that John Keel was a, I'm sure struggling with at the time in the 60s and 70s the stigma is even stronger is like you know there's a stigma of if you see a UFO you're crazy right and that's not fair you know um but my argument is just that when he points to the dark side of this stuff and that some people um this can unravel people yeah that I think in some cases, 
people who are unraveling are attracted to this topic because it's it's substituting a diagnosis for them. Well, and it was and important, that, for- and that it's just important to bring that. I agree. And it was important to bring that up in Keel's work because most of the stuff when you read about angels and demons and aliens yeah. and UFOs, it's all comes from a new age flavor of like world peace and yeah. and and love and light and love. And Keel was like, Yeah, that's there too. But he didn't like hippies. But don't forget, <laughs> but like don't forget hippies. about this other side, yeah. you yeah. know. And he was really one of the one of the only authors to sort of uh to highlight that fact. You know, you asked earlier what was the preeminent book. Uh, if anyone should read who wanted to like learn about the paranormal, um, and I would probably offer, I would say, I would start with something like of Keel's work. I think Maybe Strange the Mothman Creatures Prophecies from Time and Space or Mothman Prophecies would are be, really would good. be a great start because okay. everything's in there, right? Yeah. If it, like I said, everything's so so singular out. So, I mean, you could read a hundred books about Bigfoot. You could also read a hundred books about UFOs. And then a hundred books about ghosts. hundred books about ghosts, you know, but nobody seemed to sort of like say, hey, all this stuff is like coming from the same yeah, place. Yeah, I'd say the Charles Fort books, which are older, yeah. that kind of sets the Fortean stuff. That's really like when we start talking about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But Keel's right there. He's like, you know, he's... He's modern enough, but also had one foot in what came before yeah. modern times. Well, and, and, you He's know, kind of the original Mulder. It's you know very what I mean? true. <laughs> and you know, another person who we bring up a lot on this, who, we've, who I respect his opinions and his ideas is Jacques Vallée. And he was, a, he was a French astronomer who really became the preeminent ufologist in modern day uh, literature. And, and he sort of like piggybacked off Keel's work a little bit through his own research and he came up with as opposed to the extra dimensional hypothesis in other words physical creatures coming from planet who knows what but he he coined the interdimensional hypothesis that whatever was taking place uh inhabits this earth you know this force or phenomena is either possibly created by us uh, through something like the collective unconscious or created through some other unknown energy or force that seems to be uh, inhabited here, not from out there, uh, which you get into stuff like parallel worlds, interdimensionals, portals. The shit this is what you get into this stuff, and it's like whew, you suddenly you got it. This is a big topic today. Yeah, yeah, you, you guys have a lot of stuff out. Have yeah. you ever had an academic, like a scientist, on to talk to? Not we, we don't know. We any. don't do that. No, I'm just gotcha. I am gotcha. a, just no actors and comedians. We're, occasional yeah. musician. we're scientists. What are you talking right. about? Right. Uh, no, we should. We should. Well, I mean, we've had we had Linda S. Godfrey. I, I consider her an academic. Well, she's definitely she's, she's an a she's an author. She's a writer, but but we haven't had anybody who's like a skeptical, a reductionist, uh, materialist, scientific uh, guy who's like or gal who's going to come in and be like. I love all these stories, but here's what's really happening with the human phenomenon and science. That, you or know, not even that, but just someone someone who has written about about this. Who, oh, yeah. Who believes. We have. We have. Okay. Yes. Yes, we cool. have. Yeah. Okay. Definitely, definitely. What this sparks in me, the, all that this conversation today has made me... I mean, look, it's all fun. That's right. Yes. It's all really fun to imagine yes. all of this stuff. I couldn't agree more. And there's a reason why these stories were told over and over and over again, because they're fun. Yeah. But I, I think about... The, the idea that so many people struggle with, that the greatest fear that so many humans carry with them is this fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. of the unknowable. Yeah. The fear of death, basically. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Fear. You've, it's, you've hit all, it on the head. That is the fear that we all have. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so how do we fill in that? How do we 
calm ourselves down. Well, and how does that manifest? Right. How do we? How do we? How do we slow down that temperature? How do we? How do we? How do we turn down that volume when it gets mm-hmm. too loud in our heads? Uh, that fear of not knowing what's happening tomorrow, and and why things happen. And I like the idea that to take care of ourselves and to calm ourselves and to please ourselves, whether we know that we're doing it or not, we create certain stories, whether they're whether they're part of uh, real natural phenomena or not, that we as human beings with our brains create these things to please us and to calm us. Comfort even, us, yeah. Even in a way where like, are aliens real? Are they coming? Which may in some way panic certain people. But also there's a reason that you're going there because it, there is some pleasure in thinking, well, God, if this is real... Maybe I can answer some of these empty questions that I carry around with me all day. Mm-hmm. I could I wonder... not agree with you more, Nate. And I, for me, that's what I've always said on the shows. Like, I love the stories. Give me the stories. And whenever, whenever I encounter, like, taking those stories too seriously or really trying to unpack and be like, did it happen that's or when did it? it gets bad. That's yeah. when I don't have fun anymore right. and then i think i think get, getting too deep into that like i have to have proof can be really stressful now that's not to say that some of these stories that people shared didn't actually happen certainly i am open minded that these phenomenon can exist on some sort of i'm not saying just because i don't want to take them too seriously doesn't mean i don't believe in some of this stuff right. sure but like you can't Bryce, you can't relegate it all to hysteria, mass hallucination, right. mental psychosis. Definitely not. There's, no, there's something not at all. Yeah. I think something is up. Yeah. But like you said earlier, Bryce, I don't think we're ever gonna know. I tend to be agnostic about it. It's a great position. And the way I can enjoy that existential experience or quest or whatever you want to call it, fear is by just enjoying the stories yeah, and telling myself that story and sharing those stories with people. And, you know, you asked if we had a lot of Tin Hat listeners, and I'd like to think that, like what Michael was saying, I think most of our audience, and, you know, it comes from a place of who enjoy this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, we, we take a lighter look at this stuff. There's a hundred paranormal podcasts out there, uh, but we like to focus on having fun, not taking it too seriously, maybe learning a thing along the way or two. And I think that's where what sets our audience different from from a lot of these shows and which Michael has pointed out that, you know, it can it can get to a dark place yeah. when you when you go down that rabbit hole too far and you can't see the light from which you came. Uh, you know, it can get time pretty for a scary. break. Time for yeah. a break. If it's not fun anymore, whatever it is, drinking, paranoia, <laughs> yes. right. collecting baseball eBay. cards, eBay. eBay. If it stops being, out. stops being fun and you, you still out. feel compelled to do it, 
Stop and reassess. That's great. Get <laughs> that's out of all, those shorts. That's all I'm saying. But that's why I came here today. Yeah, yeah. I well, gotta stop buying yes. cars. Well, hey man, thank you. It sounds like you're having fun with it so far. So just so keep far. doing it until it's not fun. I'll come anymore. back in six months. Oh, great. Man. All right, we love this. Uh, Nate, thank you so much for being My on the pleasure. show. Yeah. We are thank so you. lucky to have you. Um, anything you want to plug coming up? Uh, yeah, you can you can see me on uh, the second season of Mindhunter on Netflix right now, and then there's an Apple series coming out that Michael mentioned called For All Mankind, which comes out this fall on Apple Plus. Which and what is the premise of that you were telling me about earlier? It's a great. It's a really interesting story. It's the uh, it's the space race if the Russians had won. Love cool. That. Uh, so the Russians got to the moon first, and what? does nasa do to oh, best the there, russians that's right up our yeah, yeah. i love that um and it's i great. love mindhunter and i haven't started the new season yet because i've been binging 90 day bay Got which it. is still fun for me <laughs> so <laughs> don't i mean, 90 day fiance yeah. 90 day bay is marcy Giro, uh marcy one of Mar- marcy Giro's podcasts that i've been also listening to while watching the show it's very fun there's a couple plugs for you um speaking of plugs this is dropping on uh, September 4th. So this weekend, come to Fan X in Salt Lake City. You Do can it. get tickets through the link in our bio on our Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. It's not tickets to our show. It's tickets to the convention. And we will be performing um, at the convention uh, at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon Whoa. with Marcy Jaro and Betsy Sidaro, um, funny feeling podcast, Monster hi. Mash live. Come see us; it'll be a blast. Um, and uh, in the meantime, follow us Bigfoot uh, Collectors Club on Twitter, Bigfoot underscore C Club. I'm at McMills on both Instagram and Twitter. Mr. Bryce Johnson and Bryce O Johnson. Trash bag hashtag is Riley Bray. And then uh, what are you, you on Twitter? I don't do the Twitter. Uh, doesn't tweet. Pretty good. Don't at that. do the Stuff, man. Uh Nate, you are on Instagram. Uh Instagram Nate Cordry and Twitter uh I'm Nate Cordry. We'll be following Fantastic. Do the we'll same. be tagging Grand. you when this episode goes up. Everyone, thank you so much for joining uh, us. Yes, oh. uh, just a quick interrupt yeah. to learn more about the super spectrum. You can read John Keel's incredible book, The Eighth Tower, or for more on the man himself, check out episode fifty seven of the Bigfoot Collectors Club, The Strange Adventures of John Keel with special guest Clark Moore. Go love it. Done. Go get on that shit. Also, Mark McConville's Mothman Prophet or Mothman episode. Go That's check it. that out. All right, all right, guys. We love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for finding us on Campfire Media. If it's the first time you found us, I hope you stick around and listen to all, all, everything we got to share with you. Uh, it, this is good night for now. Until next week, go get regress. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. 
Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.